Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? The Nero B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today we're here with Jason Julius. Jason describes himself as a blue-collar labor turned entrepreneur. After the loss of one of his twin sons to cancer in April of 2005, Jason walked away from his career at Chrysler and threw himself into entrepreneurship. He has spent the last 17 years pursuing his potential and his vision of building coffee junkies and pizza junkies into national brands, which is a dual brand under one roof food and beverage concept. I'm very excited for this chat, so let's get started. Jason, thanks for being at the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Not too bad, brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for being on the show. I'm very excited about this conversation. Uh, so I'd like to ask every single one of my guests to tell me what they were doing before they became an entrepreneur and why did they become one? Uh, I mean, my why is a little bit different, but I, I was in mass manufacturing. I worked at Chrysler uh, making transmissions. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and long story short, I became a union rep and uh, my son was diagnosed with cancer 30 days after I got elected. He died 30 days before re-election, and, uh, and candidly, I didn't get re-elected, mm -hmm. and I had to go back to the floor, and I'd spent three years using my brain, uh, and I had to go back to the floor doing stuff that, that just came second nature, muscle memory, uh, and it was driving me nuts, and, and I had been chewing on a business idea for, for well over a decade, uh, and I knew my brain needed something to, uh, to get around, so I jumped into entrepreneurship with both feet. And, and I opened Coffee Junkie six months after my son died because I, I feared what would happen to my brain. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a very, very sad moment. Um, and so right now, I, I, let me ask you, so you, you opened your brand and you started working on it and you didn't really have, from what I understand, a lot of experience building brands at that point. And so can you tell us about the transition uh, in how you kind of got used to that entrepreneurial kind of lifestyle from, you know, coming from a completely different world. No, and I'm going to be honest, the simple answer on that, man, is I picked up books. Uh, I, and originally, I started picking up books that uh, that were just based on other entrepreneurs. I stumbled across that, that program on history about men who built America, uh, and it led to books on their more in-depth stories. And then through those books themselves, then it led into the other books that you needed to read to to prime yourself for entrepreneurship. So I, I worked at Chrysler for a little over a year while the business was operating. And mm -hmm. at the same time, I, I threw myself into training. I mean, I was reading everything on marketing, branding, accounting, operational, writing systems. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer that education is a lifelong thing. It doesn't stop once you actually get out of school. 
so I just continued to read to try and uh, catch up on that learning curve. Awesome. And you know what? You said something right now that I think it's worth really like uh, driving this point home. I know there are a lot of my listeners already have a business and it's quite successful. They're just going to the next level. But for those listeners at home or driving that maybe starting right now, maybe they didn't do that well in school. Like you said, you know, learning is an, is a lifelong journey and it doesn't end once you're done with school. So even if you didn't have a particularly bright uh, student career, like me, for example, you can still keep on, you know, bettering yourself day after day after day. And funny enough, those people that actually embrace growth uh, in the long run are most times people that were not that great in school originally right like in in the you know in the you know common uh way of describing you know studying so now take us back from you know you you didn't did you know right away that you were building or you wanted to build a you know uh like a a, like a a product or a service or or a business that was going to be all across america or did it start initially like just a mom and pop shop so to speak No, no mom and pop from the beginning. I mean, I had a great job as far as Chrysler and and paying my wage and and raising my family. Day one of opening my business, uh, I wanted new, saw that it was going to be a national brand. And I made every decision with that intent in itself. Uh, I didn't leave Chrysler to give myself another job. I mean, I'm a guy. I mean, we build shit. I, I, I wanted to build something that would outlive me. And, and I quickly saw once I got it off the ground that it had the potential uh, to compete. And, I, and honestly, what was holding it back was me and my own personal skills. And, and you go back to the education. I'm a high school dropout. Uh, I, I didn't have a lot of appreciation for the educational. Uh, and I think too many people are, they think education is, okay, well, I'm done with high school or I'm done with college. So education stops here. I'm, I'm done learning. I'm past that. Uh, and, and, and I'm at this point highly educated, but where I want to be educated, I read 50 to hundred books, uh, 50 to hundred books a year specifically yes. because I pick where I want to be educated. Yes. I think that's the most important thing. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to read a book called better than before by Gretchen Rubin. It's a fantastic book that talks about the four type of personalities and one of uh, there, there is there is um, one of them it's called the questioner which is basically what I think you and I are which is we like to really learn and do things but we need to have a reason to do that and I think that entrepreneurs in general are just that way I mean if someone just tells you hey here's a book you got to read it by end of week and you're going to be graded on how good you have you, you know the information I'm probably not even going to pick it <laughs> pick it up and like I'm just going to leave it there but if I know that this particular you know, piece of knowledge is going to help me implement something in my business or in my personal life that's going to better, uh, you know, again, my business, my, my family, whatever it is, my relationships, then, you know, I, nobody's going to, you know, move me from there. I'm just 100% dialed in. Can you take me to the, uh, maybe the, the beginning few years, uh, you started in 2005, is that correct? Yeah. So and, now uh, you've been 17 years going, all right, strong. So first couple of years, um, did you have any moments when you were like, oh my God, who made me do this? Like, why am I even here? Can you tell us what that particular moment, you know, how it felt and why you felt that way? Well, I mean, going backwards a little bit, I will say that, uh, that I'm a consummate tester. 
Uh, and then when I get a little more introspective about that, it's because I've, I've always been curious and I think quality of life is more important than life itself. So I've always been willing to test out of that curiosity, but I'm going to tell you that the most terrifying moment for me was when I flipped on the open sign. Like it was cool that I could do all of this testing and creating the brand and dream in all of these ideas. But when you flip on that open sign and you hang your shingle, okay, well then that's, you're supposed to be open for 30 years. That's 365 days a year. And as an entrepreneur, you get hit with a bunch of problems you got to solve, a bunch of decisions you got to make that you're going to be held accountable for. So I had many times over the beginning years, just being uneducated and willing to test that I took my business to the brink uh, because I broke the bank account a couple of times by being willing to test because I didn't know what would work. But the most terrifying time was you, you as soon as you flip on that open sign, it's supposed to flip on every single day for I mean, intentionally for the rest of your life. And, uh, and that was a scary moment for me. Yes. A hundred percent. And so now, uh, can you tell us, uh, I know that now you don't only have the coffee business. Can you actually break down exactly what your business looks like 17 years later? Uh, and, and honestly, uh, through some, some coaching and mentoring, I, I got, I read another book on, on mind mapping and, and I drew a mind map of what it all looked like. Um, but the short is, is that I created coffee junkies, uh, eight years later, I had bought out a competitor and it came with a test kitchen. So I took, uh, all the information that I had acquired over the time and I wanted to apply it to a new brand. So I created pizza junkies. Uh, and then it got off the ground so fast and it took a couple months that I really got curious. Well, what would these, these two brands look like under one roof? Uh, and most of my own team fought me on it. But the point being, six months later, I moved Pizza Junkies into the main operation uh, and it became a coffee shop and a pizza place under one roof. And it was hard for people to wrap their brain around as far as the concept. But from a business perspective, it went beautifully. Uh, and a couple of years later, I was like, we have mastered this. It is time to move on to that piece that I knew was always coming franchise to, to make it a national brand. Yeah. Then of course I, I knew that I needed a national ad campaign and because I had built my brands uh, myself on social media and, and through marketing and advertising, mm -hmm. I wanted to control that. So I bought a marketing company so mm -hmm. that I could control uh, the, the, the national ad campaign. And then shortly thereafter, I had a good friend of mine that I'd been doing business with, uh, he handled all of my apparel and, uh, and he died of a massive heart attack and his oh. family came to me. Uh, and I wasn't expecting to, uh, to buy a, an apparel or a garment business, but in the mind map, I did have a piece in there for apparel because I knew that it was going to be a real need upon scale of franchising. Yeah. So I ended up taking over that business, knowing that as it, it runs itself in general, but as I scaled on the franchise side of it, both scared rabbit and Vickers, uh, custom apparel would, uh, would scale themselves. Uh, so it became very much a, an ecosystem where uh, the business do business with each other. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. And one thing that you mentioned, and again, I think it's very worth, uh, thinking about for a second is the fact that you told me that you're, that you're great at testing and you do it sometimes into a fault from what I understand, but guess what? I think that if you were not that type of person, you would not have a pizza business as well. Right. Because no, I mean, listen to the assumptions of everyone else around you instead of testing. Is that the case? 
Yes, but don't get me wrong. I didn't know anything about coffee when I got into the coffee business. I just saw what you were able to, I mean, mom and pop coffee, you're getting 25, 50 cents a cup, the new age of coffee, high octane coffee, you get four to $5 a cup. So I became interested in it from a business perspective. Uh, One of my first jobs though, was pizza delivery. I had my first pizza delivery job uh, the day after I turned 16 and got my license. So uh, it was something that I had a personal passion and background in. And and so I wanted to apply skills where I knew that I had a little bit of understanding of the pizza business itself. Uh, And then everything just kind of naturally food and beverage, they worked well with each other. It was just figuring out how they worked with each other under one building as far as front of the house and back of the house. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. And so I want to talk about, I want to switch gears for a second because our listeners, like I told you, they, they specialize in, in building remote businesses or at least building even brick and mortar businesses, but leveraging the, the remote aspect to make the business nim- nimbler and, and making sure that they are always on top of all changes when it comes to uh, the way that you acquire clients or you do more marketing or your operations. So can you give us a quick rundown of you know, the remote elements or even just how you manage uh, a team uh, across you know, the entire you know, country, basically? No. And the thing is, is I laugh about this because uh, a missed opportunity. I remember watching CNBC several years ago and the dude, I knew he was intelligent. Um, and so I was listening to him and I jotted down a couple things. And what this guy said was Zoom and Slack are going to change the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I jotted it down and I was like, this guy's intelligent. I should put some money here and invest. Well, there, I mean, obviously we know what has happened to Zoom and Slack. And back then, uh, Zoom was going public, and I think Slack was gearing up too. And then, of course, the pandemic just ushered in a, a need for everybody to figure out uh, the virtual worker side of it and how to, uh, to perform and, and conduct business from remote locations. Uh, and I'm, so Zoom and Slack have been very huge tools for me in general, but, uh, but the age of the Internet just makes that all possible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so you also build your brand online. This is a very interesting thing because I do interview a lot of entrepreneurs, even brick and mortar entrepreneurs, but it seems that you've actually taken care of also your your personal brand side, at least. Uh, can you tell us why you made that choice and how it is impacting you as you know a leader of your business, but also as a brand at large? Well, and I mean, and again, it comes back down to everything with me was necessity. I mean, as a small business and uh, and not having access to uh, millions and billions and, and all of that kind of funding, um, obviously, if you have to pay another company to perform a service, well, they've got a profit off of providing that service. So I've never been afraid to pay for information, but it was information to show me how to do it myself uh, because I didn't I didn't want that middleman and I wanted that semblance of control as an entrepreneur. I just always had more confidence in myself. Uh, and being able to respond faster as to where when you're doing business with somebody else that it slows down the response time itself. So when I started looking into developing the personal brand, developing the podcast, okay, I started buying information to find out how can I do this myself uh, so that I can produce more content so that I can respond faster. And obviously, uh, as a small business entrepreneur, it's about being bootstrapped and uh, and doing it as as cheaply and as efficiently as possible. A hundred percent. And so here's the thing about, um, I'm, I'm just thinking about 
uh, ads. Um, I have a digital marketing agency, so I might be a bit biased, but actually here's the thing. I find that like a lot of businesses go straight to ads uh, without, without first building a brand. And I wanted to ask you, um, what was your, you know, strategy? Did you first build your brand organically through word of mouth or like just moving into uh, one market after the other and then possibly did ads or, or did you do the opposite? I mean, I'm not going to, it, it was a, a total progression because when I started in 2005, I mean, the internet just it, infancy, it didn't exist for all intents and purposes. Uh, and I started building my brand on radio, but I'm not going to deny I, in that respect, I was very fortunate um, because Kokomo, Indiana is truly a community that embraces small business. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what I did in the very initial stages was word of mouth. And I'm not going to deny that I missed uh, the boat in a lot of ways when it comes to Facebook and Instagram, because I should have started in on that stuff five years sooner. And I would have been able to get a lot of that organic reach that they were offering in the beginning when they were starving for content, the way Instagram reels and TikTok is now. Yes. Uh, but when we started creating content, um, it was, yes, we were getting a little bit of organic reach, but I saw how cheap the advertising was. And then obviously uh, being a small business entrepreneur, I wasn't going to let up control of the money. So I had to master the ad spend on the platforms on Facebook and on Google. Uh, and then once we got into uh, TikTok coming out there, I saw the ability of producing really good content and being able to get that organic reach. Uh, and so it's you go back and forth. It just comes down to the platform. If yeah. you're starving for content, you can get great organic reach. You get into Facebook and Instagram. They are not starving for content, but the advertising is still cheaper than any other type of medium. Uh, so you spend to make sure that you're actually pushing your content out there. Yeah, 100 percent. Here's the thing, like you said, um, you know, it's, it's also about uh, being able to find the right people. I mean, there may be other cheaper mediums, uh, media to, to do ads, but the problem is that they maybe don't have, the targeting is not as good. You, you don't know really where your ads, uh, ad spend is going. And so doing it online, you know, at least even if it's just paid and not just organic, like you would do right now on TikTok, but at least, you know, who, you know, the, the area where you're targeting, the type of individuals that you're targeting. Um, I wanted to ask you another question, Jason. I wanted to ask you, looking back 17 years, a lot of experience, built a lot of brands. Now, can you tell us one or two mistakes that you must have made throughout this process i'm sure that like any entrepreneur <laughs> you may have a couple that you think you know i don't want any other entrepreneur to make the same mistake uh i mean i'll be honestly man the, the, the list is long and distinguished <laughs> uh I, I have made so many mistakes but it is fail fast and i just everything yeah. was about keeping it from getting to the customer um, I will say that I've went in and out with seasons and every time I got back to the books and, and feeding my brain, things got better. Um, but I mean, so much of it comes back to mindset, but I'm going to be honest with you when it comes to a business in general and small business. And I, I tell everybody nine out of 10 fail in the first year and of the one that makes it nine out of 10 fail in the first 10 years. And there is a plethora of reasons for failure. But when it comes to small business, one of the biggest is that they get buried and they drowned in paperwork because there are uh, regulations and, and filings as far as your taxes and dealing with the different entities and government agencies. Uh, and, and early on, like, I mean, when I very first started my business, I went for advice to Indiana Department of Revenue and was like, 
I'm told if my product is 50% water, coffee, or milk, that I don't collect sales tax. And they were like, yeah, you're right. Six months later, uh, I get an accountant involved and he flags it and was like, you probably better go back for clarification. And I went back and they were like, oh, sorry, we're wrong. We advised you wrong. Wow. I was like, where does that leave me? They were like, just liable for sales tax for all of your sales. sales. So literally in business, I started out $7,000 in the negative. And let me promise you, by the time they got done with their penalties and interest and in collecting, it was far more than $7,000 that I had to pay back. Uh, and in the beginning, I, I started a menu with all round numbers and it was all in 25 cent increments. And because I was going to disrupt and make it simpler. And I realized there are some things that you can disrupt and there are some things that you cannot disrupt. And through that testing, you're going to find out there are things that you have to fall in line and stick with industry standards uh, because it's what works. And then there are other ways that you can disrupt your industries uh, and, and try and buck the system. And, and you'll find a following and an appreciation because you did something different. That makes total sense. So just as a two point to take on points from what you said, first off, you got to find that fine line that divides you from being, uh, from being, you know, an innovator from actually going completely off, you know, the beaten path and, and getting, you know, uh, kind of nowhere. So that's the first thing that makes sense. And, and I, I, I must add something. I always like to say to my coaching clients, uh, every, every advice could be good or bad advice. It just depends where you apply to, right? So if people tell you, you got to innovate, 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 and then all you do is just try to innovate, like you said, you might just get it right a couple of times and then three, four times you fail and then you're going to go nowhere. Uh, the other piece of advice is basically you're saying, you got to be careful about the boring stuff, the bo the numbers and the boring stuff, because if you just pretend that they're not there and you just focus on the exciting things, the marketing, the sales, the clients are coming in, the logo, you're going to find one day that the IRS is going to knock on your door and just take the whole thing down. <laughs> take <your> no, <laughs> I mean, because for any business, I want to stress that. I promise you that when you look at it and think, okay, they're not bugging me, this problem will go away. The government will never go away. They will leave you alone long enough so that you hang yourself, but they will not go away. Sooner or later, they will catch up with you. And it's just a lot easier if you just understand either you're going to keep up on that paperwork or you're going to build it as an expense into your business and you're going to hire the proper professionals around you to make sure all those I's are dotted and all those T's are crossed because they're not just going to forget about you. They're yeah. collecting tax dollars and flooding it into their systems. They will never forget about you. You will never run away from them. They will never forget. And the whole time where you think, oh, it's, it's not a big deal, penalties and interests are occurring. And over 17 years, I've met many entrepreneurs and I got so much empathy for the ones that actually fail, so much respect for the ones that succeed. But I'm telling you, that paperwork is a must that you can never forget because they never forget. Yes, 100%. And I think it's very, very, very important to remind my listeners, especially because they are not running, you know, a brick and most of them, they're not running a brick and mortar business where, you know, you got the door in the main street on your town or city, 
where people can walk in all the time. They're like, oh, I'm just walking, uh, working from Bali. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you still got an American business or Canadian business or whatever. Like you're still registered somewhere. So you're just as real as the business down the street. But, you know, um, because for the first, you know, I believe like five to 10 years of when, you know, the internet came out, all these people were making massive profits online and, and, and governments were still trying to understand, but all this make money online thing was but now they're getting so much smarter they have ways that they can track your sales uh you can't even run facebook ads anymore if you don't put your your business number and your your tax information inside the facebook platform for that exact reason because they need to be able to track everything your expenses and also your sales um jason we had an amazing conversation i always uh and all our um our episodes asking my guests, what is happening right now that you're excited for? What do you, you know, uh, what's coming down the pike and can you get us excited as well? Uh, and I'm, I'm finally at the point where I'm starting to advertise my franchise opportunity. So I'm finally on the, it's like after 17 years, it's still day one for me yes. because I'm, I'm at the point of realizing that mental vision of developing national brands uh, so everything going forward and don't get me wrong. I, I had one of my guys ask me, like, how do you get out of a bad day? Well, I start every day by reading uh, and drinking three cups of coffee and I read until I'm done with my coffee. So I'm getting ready to throw myself back into a course to become a certified franchise executive because I intend on being a powerhouse inside of the franchise industry. Uh, and I intend on educating myself and getting myself and my brands where they need to be to compete on a national level. Uh, and that's a big piece of what I'm doing going forward is franchising. Uh, and then oddly being a high school dropout, I've really gotten into, I, I wanna educate and I wanna inspire uh, people in small business and people in entrepreneurship uh, so I'm hoping that that next piece of my life actually leads towards public speaking uh, and education when it comes to, uh, I mean, like I said, living your uh, quality of life is more important than life itself and uh, and everything's about perspective. So whether it be in business or in life, I think I got a pretty healthy perspective and uh, and I just want to put it out there because if I'm able to show people how, how to live a higher quality of life and how to just be happier in their day to day, whether it be in business or not, uh, there's there's a certain I have a certain passion for that. 100%. Jason, again, thanks a lot for being the remote CEO show. I'm looking forward to having you back in uh, in the future when uh, to talk more about uh, um, franchising, actually, and, and how that's going for you. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the day. Brother, thank you very much for having me on. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.